and welcome to the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm Shahana Knight, the founder of TPC Therapy and the creator of the Therapeutic Schools Award and the Therapeutic Teaching Course. And every week I'll be talking about all things related to well-being and mental health in schools. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspirational goodness to go out there and make a real difference in the lives of the children that you're working with. Each week will be full of innovative ideas, inspirational stories, practical guidance and even some freebies so that we can actually redefine what school should be for the children of today. You have so much power to make some real changes so let me show you how. I'm so glad you found me here. Let's jump right in. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. I'm so glad you're back for another episode. And today is a really exciting one. This is one of my favourite, favourite topics to talk about because I feel like it underpins everything that we do in education. And I also feel like it's a huge gap in our learning as educators. We don't all know this information. We don't all get taught this information. And actually, this information is what is going to help you to understand so many different areas of your job and your role. So we're going to talk about the brain today, the developing brain of children. And we're going to look at the developing brain of all children. And then we're going to touch on the developing brain of children who are struggling in your classroom. So usually those children who have experiences of childhood trauma or difficulties at home. Okay, now we're not going to go into too much detail because this is a podcast. I am so passionate about this area and talk about it for ages and ages and ages. If you want to learn more about it, please go and do the childhood trauma in the brain um, module that I've got. It's part of a six part course. You can do the first module for free. So if you want to learn more, please do go away and do that two hour session. Um, We're going to touch on it today, but hopefully if I can stop myself from talking, we're not going to go into too much detail, just enough to help you learn. So let's have a little look at the brain. So if we think about our developing brain, now this is something that is so important for us all to understand. Our developing brain is exactly the same as that in animals when we look at the very first part that grows. And this is something that's so important for understanding each other. So if you think about... um, a lion in the wild and their brain. In their brain, they've got something called the reptilian brain and so do we. The reptilian brain, if you think about your brain, has three parts. There's like a small part, a medium part and a big part. The small part is called a reptilian brain and that's the first bit that develops. So that is very similar to that lion that I'm talking about. Now, this lion in the wild um, has a reptilian brain because that brain helps the lion to survive. Okay, so whenever the lion feels threatened or angry or feels like something's coming to attack, that reptilian brain helps the lion to fight back. So, for example, if that lion's down by the watering hole having a drink and another lion comes over and starts to fight or gets aggressive, then the reptilian part of the brain will go off and the lion having a drink will fight back, will get aggressive back, will stand their ground, whatever they need to do. We do exactly the same thing. And so when we're threatened, when we feel like we're being attacked, our reptilian brain comes on as well. Now, when that happens, it comes on and does one of three things. It either goes into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Fight mode is when, just like that lion, we want to fight back. So you might find yourself getting frustrated, angry, slamming doors. You might find yourself um, actually physically wanting to fight. That is you in fight mode. 
you might be a person who just wants to fight for other people so when there's a threat you're the first one to try and make a plan or to sort things out or to stand up for people that's also fight mode children do the same thing so our children will also go into fight mode and that might be a child in your class who gets very very aggressive very angry very quickly they might shout they might scream they might refuse and argue they might fight physically another person that's fight mode they might just not let you speak to them and keep arguing back um then we have flight mode so people who go into flight mode are often people who need to get away so i talk about this loads and loads in my training but for me um i go into fight mode whereas my husband goes into flight mode so when things get a little bit too intense when he, things get a little bit too um challenging and he feels too threatened and he doesn't really know what to do or how to respond he goes into flight mode he needs to go for a drive or walk away for a little while you might be the same or you might be the kind of person who avoids so flight mode might also be i just don't want to deal with it i can't deal with it i don't want to deal with it it's too difficult that's also flight mode your children and this is every child not just children at school but children might run away so when they feel threatened, when they feel anxious, or when they feel like there's an attack of some sort, they might run away. So that's your runner in school, the child who runs all around the school. It's the child who hides under the tables. It's the child who just walks off from you and refuses to have a conversation. All of those scenarios are flight mode. Again, it's the child who refuses to do their work. Might just say, I'm not doing it, it's too hard. Don't want to do it. Again, that's flight mode because it's avoiding, it's coming away, running away from the thing that's making them feel threatened, which in that scenario is their work. And then finally, we have freeze mode. So freeze mode is where we just don't know what to do. So as an adult, you might struggle with a response. You might just sort of stand there and think, I don't, I don't know how to handle this situation. It's too overwhelming. You might stand and stare. Um, thinking about let's say i don't know maybe you've witnessed something really horrific maybe a crash or something and your first response is just to literally be rooted to the spot staring and that's flight uh, freeze mode our children will do the same thing so our children might also just stand and stare at us so when you're shouting at a child or telling a child off if they feel overwhelmed they might just be literally staring at you not really sure what to do and just shut down it might also be the child who emotionally shuts down or the person who emotionally shuts down. They just freeze completely. They just can't deal with the situation. So because it's so intense, they just switch off. That is freeze mode. So we go into fight, flight or freeze. That takes me around six minutes to explain, if that. And yet so many people have no idea about that really simple piece of neuroscience. But actually that is the puzzle to a lot of the problems that we see in schools and with our children and actually even just emotionally and socially as people, as human beings. We don't understand what's making us tick. We don't understand the basics of our brain. And that's a real shame because it's holding us back. You know, knowledge is power, they say. If we have this knowledge, there's so much we can do with it. So how is this relevant to school? Well, obviously, those children who go into fight, flight, freeze at school, they're going to have barriers at school. If you are a child who gets um, overwhelmed and runs away, that's difficult, isn't it? Because then you've got a child running away around school or a child getting extremely angry or even a child completely disengaging. So those three issues come up in school all of the time. But when I say a threat or when I say feel like they need to be in survival mode, what does that actually mean? Because we're not lions, you know, we haven't got 
someone physically coming over to attack us in a school environment in terms of, you know, having a, um, a threat that you would akin to something in the wild. But the threat is very, very real in different ways. So think about it. It's very threatening if you can't do your work and everybody else on the table can. That makes you feel threatened because it's causing you to believe that maybe you're not good enough or you can't do something. That feels like a threat. So your fight, flight, freeze reptilian brain might come on. Another thing that might be um, considered a threat or what might send you into survival mode is struggling with your friends. So maybe you have an argument or a disagreement and somebody doesn't agree with you. That might send you into, okay, well, this person's challenging me. Therefore, I need to be in fight, flight, freeze. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to say my piece. Or I'm just going to avoid it. I don't like it. It's confrontational. So maybe struggling with friends. It might be changes within school. Things might be different. That might be quite challenging. It might be quite um, scary or worrying. It might be circumstances. So obviously right now, we've got the coronavirus and all the different things that come with that. So teachers are wearing masks. Parents are wearing masks in the playground. Um, you know, you're not allowed to go certain places. Lockdowns are still happening. That's threatening. So we'll be going into our fight, flight, freeze reptilian brain there. You might be, parents might be, we all are. So there's lots of things in our life that you would consider a threat or consider something that sends you into survival mode that might be absolutely nothing that you would think, oh, that's really threatening, but actually it is. So that's our reptilian brain. The second part of our brain is our middle brain and that's in charge of our emotional state. So that's where we get intensely angry or intensely upset and that links with the, the rational brain but they don't really have a conversation or communicate with each other. So you might be in a situation at school where you see a child run off and they're under a table hiding and they're actually crying at the same time and that's because they're in reptilian brain and their middle brains on at the same time. So our middle brain teaches us that something in our situation is overwhelming and we know because of our feelings. So I talk about this loads and loads and loads in every magazine article I've written or lessons I teach the children or conversations with adults, but our feelings are our compass. I might even do a podcast episode on it. But our compass helps us to understand how we feel in a certain scenario. So if we're feeling overwhelmed, then we know that that thing is something we find tricky. If we're feeling intensely angry and we're shaking and we're hot and we just want to fight back, then we know that something about that situation makes us feel threatened. Maybe there's something in there that we need to be aware of. Maybe it's challenges. Maybe it's people's tone of voice, maybe it's the feeling of being trapped, whatever it is, there's something in there, our feeling is giving us an indicator that we need to listen to. So our feelings are our compass. Again, we're not taught that, especially in school. We're not taught to listen to our feelings and use them to help guide us. Often we're told to ignore our feelings. If you're angry, well, you're in trouble because you're angry. That feeling, we need to reject it. And so we stuff down that feeling and we don't actually listen to why we're having it. So that's a whole other issue. So our middle brain is in charge of our feelings. The most important part of our brain for education and for learning and for functioning as a well-rounded person who can manage emotions and feelings is the final part of that brain, which is the rational brain. Our rational brain is our thinking brain. 
And that is where we learn. So in our rational brain, we problem solve, we question the world, we're inquisitive, we challenge ourselves, we, our memory is in there, so it helps us to remember and recall things. Our empathy, empathy for other people is in there. So understanding someone else's frame of reference, understanding why they feel that way and you know, okay, I'm feeling really frustrated, but do you know what? She looks really upset. What's going on for her? Having that empathy there for friendships. There's so many elements to um, making us a well-rounded person who understands ourselves and others that only is accessible in our rational brain. And a lot of the skills we ask children to do at school is part of their rational brain. But what we fail to understand is the rational brain needs to be developed, needs to be nurtured, it needs to be grown by the adults around us. We need to be constantly making those links for the children about their feelings and their behaviour and talking about that so they can understand it and grow their rational brain. So they can problem solve more, they can have empathy more, they can figure out why they're angry and deal with it, they've got self-regulation tools, all of that is in our rational brain. The key here and the biggest thing that we can learn is that when our rational brain is on, that is when we're calm, that is when we feel listened to and valued and understood, not when we feel threatened. When we feel threatened and stressed and anxious and worried and in survival mode, our reptilian brain and our middle brain are on and they're flashing like an alarm system going off. When there's an alarm system going off, the thinking brain isn't on, it can't work. It's literally the brain, our brain, our way of working, our whole kind of survival mechanism is to go, something's threatening us, let's focus all our attention, all our energy, all our bodily functions on surviving. So our reptilian brain and our middle brain are on. What feelings do we need to have to show us that we feel this way? What behaviours do we need to have? Do we need to run away? Do we need to hide? Do we need to fight? Do we need to freeze? And our body isn't interested in learning. It's interested in surviving because as an animal, that is our animal instinct. Even though we're very evolved, that's still our basic instinct. And we go back to that so much in our lives. Think about it for yourselves right now. So if your partner comes to you and has an argument with you about something and you completely and utterly do not agree with that thing, you're going to get hot under the collar, you're going to get angry, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to want to fight your point, you might end up in an argument and you're thinking, this is really not great, but you just can't stop yourself because your rational brain is not on, your rational brain isn't thinking, right, calm the situation down, let's problem solve, what's he feeling, how is he feeling, instead you're thinking, I've just been attacked here, how dare you say that about me, that's completely wrong and these are all the reasons why, or you might freeze and go, another argument, don't know how to deal with it, don't want to deal with it, I'm going to go upstairs and watch Netflix and t- shut off, again, you're still not in your rational brain, you're still not learning about how to problem solve or figuring out the best course of action. So it's very important that we realise for our children that the way that they're going to learn, the only way they're going to learn is if we can get their rational brain on. And that is what my whole career is based on at the moment, is this concept of we are always teaching our children when they're in reptilian brain, when they're in survival brain, and it's not working. So if you think about, I don't know, let's say a child in your class who is overwhelmed by their work, they just cannot do it, and they're feeling really threatened by that feeling of not being able to do it, and you come over and you go, why have you not done that piece of work? Why why are you swinging a chair? Why are you messing around? Why are you talking to so-and-so? Come on, you need to do this work. Let's focus on these, these, these things that are making you feel anxious. 
And so what we're doing is we're making that child stay in their reptilian brain, their stressed brain, their overwhelmed brain. What we're not doing is acknowledging that that's the brain that they're in and shifting them out of that into their rational. We don't do that. We constant, we're constantly keeping them in their survival brain. A child who's kicking off in school, who's ripping down displays, kicking peers, biting, throwing, what do we do? We get angry as a response, we get frustrated as a response, we punish as a response, we take things away as a response, we send them home as a response. Where in that are we saying and acknowledging, right, this child's in their survival brain, they feel threatened, the only way this child can learn from the scenario right now is to get them into rational brain. The only way rational brain is on is if they're calm. How do we calm them down? How do we help them feel validated and understood? How do we help them understand their own feelings and shift them into rational brain where they're going to learn? We don't do that. As a collective, as a collective industry, we don't do that. And that is a real problem. No wonder we've got children kicking off. No wonder we've got children who aren't engaged in learning. No wonder we've got children who have got no idea why they get angry. And when you say, why did you punch so-and-so? Oh, no, I shouldn't have done it. I just did it. I don't know why. Got angry. Can't control my anger. No, you can't. Because nobody's taught you how. And that is our job. That is what a therapeutic teacher is. Our job is to help to guide them through these very difficult situations with the knowledge that they're still developing their brain, they're still learning how to cope. And if they can't do that, that isn't a cause to be punished. That's a cause to be taught. And the only way we can teach is to get them into rational brain. That is such a massive piece of the puzzle that we're missing. And something that I try and teach people, and obviously it's not a quick fix, listening to this podcast doesn't mean that suddenly you can go and help children to do that every day. It's something that needs to be embedded and it's a process and it's something that needs to be learned. And we all need to learn things in time. It takes time. It's like building blocks, isn't it? The third, you learn the foundation and you learn above. This is the foundation. But you can see very well how this is causing a lot of problems in education that we're missing. So let's peel that back even more. So this is for all children. And like I say, there are lots and lots of different scenarios that can get children into their reptilian brain. Same said for you. You can get into your reptilian brain. If you have a child come in the playground yet again, the same child every single day that's in fights, who comes in, yeah, miss, it wasn't my fault, miss, whatever, miss, doing it, swearing, screaming, spitting, whatever they might do. Are you going to be in rational brain? Probably not. Probably you're going to get really frustrated. You're going to get angry. You're going to feel attacked yourself. This is another scenario. This child just isn't getting it. Again, I'm going to have to get in trouble. Instantly you get angry. A lot of teachers don't understand that they're in fight, fight, freeze as well. And that's totally normal. But if you're in fight mode, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, you're not going to help teach him how not to be frustrated and angry if you're both in reptilian brain. We need to remove ourselves, stay in rational and get them into rational with us to actually learn something, both parties to actually learn something. And we're failing to do that. Another thing that I think we need to look at here is how we're coping with behaviour. So let's look at our behaviour management strategies and we will, I will do a podcast on this completely as well. But let's think about shouting as an example. If you have a child or a young person who's in their reptilian brain, Let's say that they're in flight mode or fight mode. They've run away and they're really angry and aggressive. Maybe they're in both. They run away in flight mode and then you running after them makes them so frustrated, so angry that they then suddenly are in fight mode as well. 
and this child is aggressive and angry and volatile, maybe it's the third time in the week, and you're just thinking, right, okay, where do I go from here? A lot of the time we resort to shouting. Now, I'm aware that the movement of shouting is slowly shifting and schools are very much against shouting as a response. However, you know, going any school, there are teachers who will get frustrated. And if that's you, that's okay. We all do it because we're in our own reptilian brain. We get frustrated, we get angry and we get tired of it. And when I ask teachers why they shout, very often they'll say things like, I shout because I feel like it's the only way the children will listen. They don't listen when I try and talk to them and I need them to listen. Sometimes it's practical reasons. So some teachers will shout because the child's on the other side of the playground or they feel like they've got to raise their voice because it's a scary situation, the child's in trouble and they need to shout in order to show that it's a serious thing. Some are very honest and say that they shout because they feel like that's their way of showing authority. I'm in charge and this is not okay. Some shout because they're showing their end of their boundary. So I'm shouting because that's the last straw for me and they need to know it. And some say I shout because I don't know what else to do. Because I feel like I've exhausted all the other options and I'm annoyed and I am annoyed and I don't know how else to respond. But when we shout, what we're doing is the opposite of what we want to do. We want to teach the child, surely. Whenever there's a scenario where the child is struggling, be that behaviour, academically, friendship-wise, even just in general, like problem-solving, whenever there's a problem and we're trying to help a child through that, surely it's through teaching them a better way. That's our goal. We want to teach them. That's the whole point of why they're at school. And not only teach them academically, but teach them about them and understanding how to cope with things. That's our goal. But that goal is lost, especially if we just focus on the behaviour and especially if we get them into rational, into reptilian brain and keep them in reptilian brain because we know they can't learn in reptilian brain. So if you approach a child with shouting, straight away you're going to get them in a position where they're going to be even more in reptilian brain. Here's another threat. I've just had a threat outside on the playground because Jack refused to give me the ball. Fair enough, it was a low threat, but for that child, it's a big deal. So therefore, I've kicked, I've shouted, I've, I've done my bit of like making myself survive and, and keeping myself in a position where I can feel that power, that strength that I need in order to cope with this difficult situation. And then I've come in and instead of them helping me to deal with that, instead of them making me understand why I behaved that way or understanding what's gone on, instead of that, I'm met with punishment and rejection. I'm met with more anger. Okay, so now you're going to shout at me. Now you're frustrated. Now you're another person I've let down. Okay, fine. That's not going to help them calm down or understand or make them think about their um, behaviour. And you go in, think about how that makes Jack feel. What does Jack feel now you've just kicked him in the face? Jack's your best friend. He must be feeling horrendous. How would you like it if you got kicked in the face? All of these different things all that child is hearing is threat, 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 attack, 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 attack. And the more they're attacked and the more they're threatened, the more they're going to stay in their survival brain for longer. And the more they're going to have this feeling of severe disconnection from you. And another thing that I talk about all of the time is trying to create this feeling of connection with the children. Even if they've done something wrong, we keep that connection. Because the connection means their rational brain stays on and they learn from it disconnection means they're not going to learn from you and actually the connection between I'm here to guide you I'm here to help you I'm here to help you understand has gone 
So if we continue to shout, if we continue to punish, what we're actually doing is creating disconnection and keeping them in reptilian brain. And what we want to do is get them into rational brain and help them to feel validated and understood and help them to feel like, listen, this was a struggle for you. Here's how you can do it better next time. Here's how we can help you to do it better next time. And here's how you can understand what just happened. Very often you get kids go, I don't know why. I know that I shouldn't get angry, I just do. I just throw the remote, I just run away. I just, I don't know how else to do it. If we're not teaching them how else to do it and we're just punishing them for their way of doing it, we're not teaching them anything. And that's why you get children doing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, that's obviously something we need to work on. And when we get to the end of this session, I will give you some um, three sort of key tips on how to help. Another thing that I want to talk to you about, and again, I might do a podcast episode on this on itself, is what about those children who are already struggling at home? What about those children who are already dealing with trauma? What then? So every child is going to go into fight, flight, freeze. And at some point, we all do. Every adult is. And every child and every adult needs help to get into rational brain. That's just part of child development and part of our development as humans. And we're constantly developing that. I know I am still developing my rational brain, still working on how I can keep calm, understand my feelings, understand why I've had those feelings and why it's led to a behaviour and then try and correct that constantly. So that's just part of teaching in general. But what about this other pocket of of, um, children that I would say actually is growing and growing and growing. There are more and more and more children dealing with childhood trauma now. There are more children in care. In fact, let's think about care for a minute, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. I work on a foster care um, panel for two different foster care agencies. I work very closely doing training with a foster care agency, well, a few foster care agencies now. Um, And the numbers for children going into foster care have risen, like, massively risen in the last six months through this pandemic because parents are struggling at home even more children's behavior is horrendous things are really difficult and so parents are are much more quick to say i need my child in care or social services are, are coming to homes where things are a lot more volatile and taking children into care why reptilian brain everyone's in survival mode everyone is feeling threatened everyone is struggling and so everyone's working from fight flight freeze and no one is in their rational thinking um reflective problem solving empathy brain which means more children are going into care and those children aren't being taught what's going on for them either so they're just learning that they go off left handle they've got to get angry they've got to get frustrated they've got to kick off because they're constantly in survival 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 There's more and more children coming into education now who are dealing with adverse childhood experiences. Now that might be that they're in care or foster care or adopted. It might be that they have witnessed a a death, especially now. It might be that they are in a a household that's domestically violent or even where parents just are quite volatile shouting at each other when they struggle with their reptilian brain. Um, It might be that there's a massive... um, family so they've got lots of siblings and they feel lost in that it might be as simple as parents divorced six years ago and they're still struggling with those memories there's so many things that we're dealing with as people in the world that impacts our well-being and our mental health and there's a lot of children out there who are getting no support around that so their way that they deal with that is to just constantly be in survival brain 
So if you think about a child who has experienced adverse experiences in their life, well, their survival brain, their rational brain, sorry, their reptilian brain is going to be on a lot. It's going to be on almost every day, every hour, all of the time. And it cannot settle. It can't settle and be calm because, well, what if they go home and dad's drunk again? It has to stay on just in case. So when they come to school, it's always on. They're ready for a fight. They're ready for a challenge. They're ready to be attacked because their brain's so used to that always happening that it's looking for those things so it can go, right, okay, I've dealt with this before. Now I need to go into fight mode or flight mode or freeze mode. So those children are more likely to get angry, more likely to kick off, more likely to shut down, more likely to struggle to do their work, more likely to struggle with their friendships. And that's because their, their reptilian brain, their survival brain is constantly going off. That alarm is constantly going off. Now that makes loads of sense. That's why the child who does have additional things going on at home struggles with friendships and gets into arguments quicker. It's not because they're a bad kid or an angry kid or a frustrated kid and that's who they are. It's because no one's teaching them how to flip into rational brain. No one's guiding them through their feelings. And that's the biggest key. When we have a big feeling, when we feel threatened and attacked, we've got to understand why. If somebody sits down with you and goes, you know what, Jack, you're feeling really, really attacked today, feeling really threatened, you know, you feel like um, overwhelmed, things are really overwhelming at home, things are really noisy at home, things are scary at home, and then when you come to school, things are noisy here, things are overwhelming here, someone kicking a ball in your face, that's another threat, that's another thing that makes you feel attacked, that's why you're angry, you're not a bad kid, you're not an angry kid. This isn't you, it's your survival mechanism in the scenario, the situation that you're in. And then giving them the strategies to deal with that. You know, so when you're feeling really cross and angry, the thing that you do is you kick off, you fight back. And that's your way of surviving. Tell them, they have to understand that. And obviously, if there's issues around disclosure or that you're not supposed to know what's going on at home or whatever, fine, you don't have to say all of that bit, but you do have to say, this is what's going on for you. This is what's happening for you internally. This is what's happening to you with your behavior. And this is how you can sort that out. This is what you need to do to help you. That's gonna help to teach them. And they might not be ready to hear that straight away when they are angry and frustrated, but when, when they're calmed down, when their rational brain turns back on, that is the time to teach. And we miss that opportunity so many times because just because they've had a huge outroar, then they've been to the head teacher, then they've come back into the class and they're a bit calmer, doesn't mean they've learned anything. In fact, they haven't. The only thing they're gonna learn is when somebody sits down and goes, this is what made you kick off. This is the feeling you are having. This is the trigger or this is the, the scenario. This is how you felt. This is what you did, kicked off, shouted, got argued, whatever. And this is how you can do it better next time. Or this is what you need to be aware of. Just that conversation alone makes them feel connected, valued, understood, listened to. And it's going to shift them into rational brain where they can start to problem solve and learn. And remember, our rational brain holds our memory. So you can shout at a child all day long about what they've not done. You can punish a child all day long about what they've not done. If you're doing that when they're in their reptilian brain, their survival brain, they're not going to remember the lesson the next day because their memory only happens when they're in rational brain. So this is really important information, really important information. And those children who are struggling with trauma, those children who already are in a lot of stress at home, you can bet your bottom dollar that they're going to be triggering all over the place at school. They're going to be in fight mode and flight mode and freeze mode loads. It might be that that child comes into school and refuses to sit down. 
that's that's number one that's fight mode or it might even be flight mode they might even be refusing to sit down because they don't want to come to school because school's a threat because they feel like they can't do it or they're always in trouble it might be they go out on the playground they have an argument it might be that when they go to dinner they struggle because they've got to have conversations with people and their view and other people's views are different it might be that you give them maths in the afternoon and they don't like maths they struggle with maths it's hard they don't want to do it so they kick off and they walk out or they huff and they puff or they refuse there will be so many triggers during the day for that one particular child because their brain is looking for more and more and more things that are threatening because that's all they know. All they know is threat and they have to survive. And then when they get home, dad's drunk again. Right, okay, so the brain's on. And this is a survival mechanism. Now, what we need to do is give the children a feeling of security, safety, a place where we understand that and can teach them and guide them through that so that they can go, do you know what, I'm really, I am I am a reptilian brain today. I've had a really tricky morning. I feel attacked. I feel threatened. And we can go as teachers, okay, great. This is where he's at. This is how we can calm him down. This is what he needs from us as a school. And then we can get him to learn. Because trying to get him to learn and trying to get him to conform, trying to get him to fit the box all day, knowing that he's coming in reptilian brain is really silly. doesn't make any sense. So what can you actually do? We've touched on a few different things. We've touched on um, child development, the brain. We've touched on a bit, a little bit on trauma. And we've touched on shouting and how shouting doesn't work. Another thing that I would say on shouting, actually, before I give you some key strategies, is when you shout, you do one of three things. You keep them in reptilian brain so they can't learn. They can't learn from that scenario, which is frustrating for you because they're not gonna they're gonna do the same thing over and over again. You're also gonna put them into fight, flight, freeze. So not only they're gonna stay in reptilian, they might actually go even more into reptilian. So like I said, they might have been in flight mode, but you've chased them all around school, made them feel even more threatened and got them in a corner and told them that they've got to go to detention. And so now they're in fight mode. So you might put them in fight, flight, freeze. What you might also do is because you're shouting, that's a form of attack. And when you're attacking, that child might be remembering all the other times that they feel threatened and attacked. So you shouting and you getting angry, actually it might be nothing to do with you, but you might be a trigger. You might trigger a memory or a feeling that they remember having at home when dad was shouting when he was drunk or when mum was telling him he wasn't good enough or when the relationship was broken down and if it's a she, she was feeling like she just cannot make connections. You're reminding the children of that. And so when you're shouting, they're in freeze mode, they're not even thinking about you. What they're doing is they've been portaled to a really negative memory and we don't want to put our children in that position when we're essentially trying to teach them something. So there's a lot more we can do instead of shouting. And I will do another podcast episode maybe on sort of behaviour management. But again, if you want to learn about this in more detail, just go and take the course because there's so much around this that you can actually be doing and implementing that it's hard to get into a podcast. Um, so some key tips. Let me just have a quick little look here at our key tips. All right, so number one, everything that you do, you need to now start to put in the brain first. So think in your mind, is this child in fight, flight, freeze? which one is it so is it in fight mode fight mode or freeze mode and why might that be so just explore it in your head think about okay so what might have got this child into that sort of survival mode in the first place maybe it's because morning's been really tricky maybe they've been shouted at in the morning they've been told that they're always late maybe they were they were late maybe they got a late mark 
maybe they're just feeling very overwhelmed and frustrated and they've come in and that's why that they've already started the day in survival brain maybe it's because they feel completely overwhelmed with their learning and that's why they've just walked out and kick the table over maybe that's why they're in um, survival brain maybe it's because they're starting to get lots of intrusive thoughts about not being good enough because they're struggling with something that you're asking them to do that might be why so always look at this child in front of you who's done whatever it is that they've done and your first port of call is are they in fight flight freeze and why what might have happened you don't you might not know all the details but you can definitely identify whether they're in fight flight freeze because they'll be ripping up their work, they'll be refusing to do their work, they'll be running away, that's flight mode. Or they'll be angry, aggressive, argumentative, physically fighting, that's fight mode. Or they might have shut down, switched off, turned off, and completely disassociated, that's freeze mode. And you can make a judgement that if they're in one of those modes, something has happened to get them to that, po that point. You just need to explore what that might be. It might be completely wrong, but just exploring it gives you empathy. So then you're going to go into rational brain and go, how can I help this child problem solve? How can I help this child through this scenario that is really difficult for them? What can I do to be a guide rather than punish them for feeling that way? Because at the end of the day, that is part of being a human. It's very normal to feel attacked. It's very normal to feel upset and not good enough. It's very normal to have those responses. They shouldn't be punished for that and told to hide those feelings or disregard those feelings or feel feel shame for having those feelings. What they need to be done, what they need is to be guided through those feelings. So you need to go, right, fight, flight, freeze. What is the reason? And that will automatically put you in a frame of mind where you want to guide them rather than getting frustrated and angry at just the behaviour that they're presenting, which is always only a symptom. So, and also will help you stop getting into your own reptilian brain because you're then frustrated. And then what you need to do is to think about how you can help teach them. So the second thing is they probably need some regulation. They probably need to calm down. And we probably don't teach our children that, do we? Like we say calm down. Well, that's not going to help them calm down. We say, go and have time out so you can calm down. But actually, are we teaching them what it means to calm down? Are we giving them the skill set to teach them how to calm down? Probably not. So do they need five minutes calming colouring? Do they need to sit with somebody and just take some deep breaths? Do they just need somebody that's caring to sit by them for a minute while they are in I wouldn't recommend time out where they're punished and rejected, but there's something called thinking time that I do where you sit with them. It might be that they need a little bit of that time to just regulate, but not feel rejected or punished. Just feel like you're with them and you're helping them just for a minute while they need that help. And that doesn't mean that the behaviour that they've done is not okay, is okay, sorry, and that you're not going to punish, you're not going to give them a consequence. Absolutely you are. But the first part of call is they need to be regulated enough to get into rational brain. Otherwise, they're not going to learn from the punishment anyway, are they? Or the consequence. So, not punishment. We don't want to punish. Um, let's just not punish children. Um, okay, so helping them to regulate. And that doesn't necessarily mean in the moment. It's everyday strategies. Are you teaching the kids to self-regulate in your day-to-day -day routines? And this comes down to the wellbeing curriculum that I teach as well. We've got to be teaching children how to regulate themselves. We need that skill set. They need that skill set. So in your day, if you think about your environment at school, are you giving them opportunities to meditate or have calm colouring or calm in time? Do you insert 
bits of the day where you're saying, do you know what? I understand that we're all starting to get a bit overwhelmed. That might push us into reptilian brain. How do we stay rational? Maybe we need five minutes of just peaceful music for, for a little while. If you can insert those things into your day-to-day routines, you're going to be teaching the children how to self-regulate by doing them as daily practices. And then your children are going to be able to pull on those resources when they need them the most. And if you make it really explicit why you're doing them, again, you're giving the kids that, that um, you're teaching the children, you're giving them those tools. So you're saying, okay, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling frustrated, let's give you five minutes with some calming music. Just go and sit over there, put the headphones on, have some calming music. And then when you come back to me, we can talk about what's happened talk about your behavior, we can talk about the scenario. But right now, there's no point me talking to you about it because you can't hear me, you can't listen because your your brain's not letting you do that. And again, it's not making them feel bad for it. It's not their fault. You wouldn't be able to listen either if your husband was screaming and shouting at you. You wouldn't be able to go, I'm just going to take a few minutes, I'm just going to take a few deep breaths. You need that support, wouldn't you? You need that time. So respect that and give them that. So find ways to help them self-regulate and maybe think about replacing your punishments for regulation initially and again we'll do a podcast episode on this or you can go and do connection versus disconnection the module on um, behavior management um, and that will really help you to understand well what what are the stages what are the steps there's lots of steps to this so we start with language then we regulate then we, we do our consequences there's lots of stages but I think as a first port of call the lesson in this podcast really is that there's no point trying to punish them for a behavior or tell them off for a behavior if they're not ready to learn and listen because that part of the brain's not on. Got to get that part of the brain on first. And that might be as simple as being therapeutic in your responses and reflecting their feelings and saying, you know what, Sarah, you're feeling really overwhelmed and stressed out. That's why you've just had a massive argument and that's why you've just pulled down the display. You know, you're feeling very, very overwhelmed. You just need five minutes. Give her five minutes and then talk about her behavior and her feelings. That's going to help. And the last thing is teach only when the brain is rational. So try and stop yourself from bombarding the children with you've done this and you've done this and you've done this and you've done this and this is a consequence and this is what you need to do to to learn from it and now you need to say sorry all in one breath, all in the moment that you're telling them off when they're obviously in in reptilian brain, they're obviously still angry, they're obviously still frustrated, they might still be crying, there's no point very, very few children can actually keep their rational brain on and learn in that. Not a lot of them do. A lot of them will completely shut down because their whole body is trying to help them survive through that situation. Only when they're calm can you teach. Can you talk through the situation? Can you explain what's happened and why and give them an idea of what they can do next time? Only then. So try and hold back from telling them off and telling them all the things they've done wrong in the moment. Explain what they've done. I would start with their name. So say their name, Sarah. Um, they're feeling, you're feeling really overwhelmed and frustrated. That's why you've just thrown, thrown um, the display down or that's why you've just knocked over the table. You just need to have five minutes and leave it at that. Then when they're calm, that's when you do the whole explaining and giving them a consequence, etc. Because that's where it'll work. So try that. So let me just go over those three key things again, just to make sure that you've got them. So the first one is everything that you do from now on starts with the brain. Think about are they in fight, flight, freeze? Why? 
So that gets your empathy levels up and gets your rational brain on. The second thing is help them regulate. So do they just need five minutes to do something to help them regulate before you focus on their behavior so that they can get into rational brain? And the third thing is only teach in rational brain when they're ready to actually listen. And don't forget that step. So maybe they have had to have some sort of consequence to calm down. Don't forget to go back and teach. Don't just think, oh, they're calm now. Right back into class, carry on. Because if they won't learn then either. They'll learn how to calm themselves down, which is fab, but they're not going to learn how to deal with the scenario differently. You've got to make sure you do teach, but only when they're calm enough. All right, so that is a quick whiz through quite a few things, actually. The brain, shouting, and a few behavior management techniques. I really, really hope this has helped. I will probably come back to the brain a lot in our podcast because it links to everything. So you'll probably hear me talking about it over and over and over again. But that's a good thing because then hopefully when you're in front of the children, you'll just go, oh, rational brain, reptilian brain, this brain, that brain, that, and understand a little bit more about why the children are behaving the way they do. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please do, if you love it, please subscribe, please share it, please leave some comments. That will help people find it. Thank you so, so much. And I'll see you again in another episode. Bye for now. I hope you've loved this week's episode of the Therapeutic Teaching Podcast. If you want more help and support to become a therapeutic teacher, but don't know where to start, then head to tpctherapy.co.uk and enroll in my free course now and get started.